We are back with another episode of the Black Box Podcast. I'm your host, John. And I'm your host, Ahmed. And today our guest is uh, is Nathan Phillips. And Nathan is, well, he's a lot of things. He's, uh, he's an entrepreneur. He's involved in the metaverse. And he runs his own business in New York City. We'll tag his website or we'll have his website in the show notes, but I don't know. We just had a really, we're, we're going to have a really cool conversation and I think you guys will really enjoy what he has to say. Um, just because I, I question the metaverse all the time. Like to me, it's like, I hear the word and I don't know what to think. And I feel like he kind of gave it some meaning. Yeah, I agree. And it's something that's gotten a lot of, you know, more media attention lately, especially with meta or Facebook saying that they're going all in on this technology. But what I think he does really good, Nathan, is that he explains that it's not really a thing. It's not really a physical thing. It's more of an idea of connection and communication. It's like kind of, kind of, kind of like society. So I, I think it's great. It was a really good opinion. I loved what he had to say and, yeah. Yeah, I think we should get into it. Yep, let's do it. We're super excited to uh announce on Black Box that we have our first advertisement and it is with our very own podcasting platform, Zencaster, which is what we've been using since day one to record remotely with our guests. Uh and they've become a new sponsor for the show. So tune in, check out the podcast discount link in our show notes, and stay tuned to hear more about why we love Zencaster. All right. So, Nathan, uh, could you just take a moment to introduce yourself? Sure thing. Uh, my name is Nathan Phillips. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm a co-founder of a company called Technology, Humans, and Taste, or THAT. It's an acronym. Um, we're in Chinatown, New York City, and we are a creative company that makes all sorts of different stuff. Um, we generate a large part of our revenue, um, work with brands and companies to create experiences, content, commercials, um, like digital, um, digital stuff, toys, interactive art. Um, and then we also have an originals group that makes our own, um, content and experiences. And, um, I'm a writer by trade. That would be the closest thing I have to an actual skill. And, um, I live in Brooklyn and I'm in the basement. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Fair so um, when you say that your company has a lot of products, right? Can you mm-hmm. talk more about what those products do? Yeah. Um, a lot of the time, like um, I think of us as a, um, like according to like the paperwork, we're an agency, like we're a creative agency. We do strategy, we do design. Um, and we think conceptually um, in an effort to make people think stuff and to create desire. Um, but our approach isn't a traditional marketing approach. Our approach is much more innovation focused, um, which means we prototype a lot. Um, we test and learn and we don't wait for a brief to make stuff. So a lot of the time we will create something um, because it is a good strategic idea so we recently made something called all paper and all paper is augmented reality wallpaper um and it came out of this idea of you know we're all stuck in our rooms constantly and we're looking at the walls and so they're a very static medium it doesn't do anything you're totally trapped but it'd be really cool to start to unlock um dynamic content and experiences so we partnered with this amazing artist named edwina white um in in brooklyn and the national double dutch league and we made this beautiful hand-drawn wallpaper which you can order on our website and it is these kind of amazing drawings of these double dutch girls um but using ar um, if you find a manhole cover in the illustration the whole thing comes to life and everybody starts doing double dutch and people jump in and stuff um so that's the example of a product we have made um like lots of digital toys all you can find on our website all available for free 
um, we made something called the Work From Wherever collection, which was sculptural um, versions of the Zoom interface um, to figure out what it's going to be like when Zoom isn't something we need to communicate all the time. So we made um, physical, beautiful sculptures of like the Zoom hand and a non-virtual background um, that you can take into the office, but we also made NFTs so you can take them into the metaverse and um, have them there as like totems of our experience to remember what it was like. Nice. I got a, yeah. I was going to say, what's your, how are you doing the analysis to determine which products are things that you want to get on uh, and which, what are things that maybe aren't good ideas or things that you don't want to pursue? Well, I think all of them are not good ideas. I think um, I kind of challenge the idea of a good idea. Um, one thing that we know to be true is if I were to say, what is an idea? Um, Ahmed and John would have two definitions, right? Um, which is different. Like what's a bunny rabbit? We're all pretty much going to nail the same definition, but what's an idea, right? It's totally different. Are there metrics that you look for? The No, because the thing that you have an idea, there's an idea and an execution, right? And an yeah. idea is a good idea. Um, and I can tell you about how I evaluate them, but it, the execution is where it becomes beautiful and it becomes real. And if you're trying to quantify an idea before it becomes an execution, that's a false premise, right? Um, that's like, am I inspired? Is it good inspiration? Um, for me, like I think about it as like naming something, um, like my company that it's a terrible name, right? but it couldn't be named anything else. It has to be that name. So when I find an idea that I don't particularly like, but I know that it must exist, that's when I start to feel like I'm in a place where we have to make it. And the reason we're called that is because what do you say when you want something? You say, I, I want, want that. that. What do you say when you see something you've never seen before? That you looks say, cool. What the fuck is that? <laughs> that looks cool, right? So <laughs> it, it's, the, the word is like a device and it is describes entirely everything that we that we make um so we couldn't name it anything else that's a good idea mm -hmm. thank you yeah no, like that, that. that makes sense i feel like you're looking at it more i don't know because i feel like modern you know marketing and stuff they're, they're always looking and trying to project what that product can provide mm -hmm. but the i guess challenge. in this space it's so new that there's not really a precedent set yet in a lot of things right and the problem with um, applying big data as a way to evaluate something is um, all data is premised on what has already happened. Um, so up until now, here's what everybody did. And it's like, okay, that's a terrible place to start a creative conversation, right? You were trying to make something um, new, something innovative. Yeah. Or something good. It's like, if it already exists, why do it? It already exists, right? That's not creative to create something is to incept something that has yet to have been created. It's like you buy a loaf of bread and then you're like, I'm going to create a loaf of bread. It's like, no, no, dude, you, you bought the loaf either. of bread. <laughs> um, but I think the other challenge with data is that it is, uh, it's fake. It is so, it's so easy to manipulate data that it is really, um, a form of drag that, um, you know, researchers, analysts, agencies put on to say, this is correct because the data says so. And it's like, no, dude, it's correct because you say so. And you're trying to use the data to trick someone into paying you for it. I was going to say also, I feel like if someone's trying to prove a point, they already know that point that they're trying to prove. They're just going to find some form of data or study or something that backs up what they're I mean, all the time. About. So I guess you're, yeah, you're shaping it to what you want. You could skew data very easily. Yeah, for sure. What, uh, I guess, could we get your definition or interpretation of what the metaverse is or what it's becoming? Yeah. The, is um, it something that's changing or is it uh, like a single state? Um, I always challenge myself to answer this question differently. Um, and I think even what you just said, like, is it a single state or is it changing? I think that kind of like is the thing, right? Um, there's this movie, an old movie, Wallace Shawn's in it, who's an incredible playwright, but he's also, um, the inconceivable guy from the princess bride. Um, <laughs> and, uh, it's called my dinner with Andre. And there's just like, it's a conversation between two dudes in a restaurant. 
Um, and Andre makes the point that one of the problems with relationships is when you are born and you are a baby, you have a father who's called father. And then you're a toddler, still called father. You're eight, still called father. 13, still called father. 25, still called father. 60, still called father. But is he your father the whole time? Or has that relationship evolved? Because your relationship and who that person is, is entirely different when you're 60 than when you're a baby. Um, but we're like stuck with this static identity where it's like, I'm supposed to apply the same rules to you. And I think um, the metaverse is the same thing. The metaverse is not new, nor is it um, created by um, any single entity, right? It is an array of touch points, um, meaning devices or um, media that is able to project information and it is entry points, um, places where you can interact and input information to dive deeper into an experience, to make a choice and to create some sort of feedback and dialogue. Um, and that kind of network that is able to talk and listen to you um, is the metaverse. And within it, there are many, many content experiences, right? So there is not like a video game, like Roblox is not a metaverse or the metaverse because that's discounting all the devices, right? And so- All the other points, yeah. All the other points. So it's like, is it like is it the servers that Roblox is running on or the, the visuals, like the pixels? And if you're looking at it in a high-res monitor versus a low-res monitor, is it like different or is it the same, right? Um, we have to kind of think conceptually, I think, to understand what it is. And for me, um, it's entry points and touch points, or it's an invisible layer um, made visible, right? Um, you're surrounded by waves. Well, not just me, a medium. It's, it is an interconnected network of interoperable media, right? Like Twitter is talking about kind of going back to an earlier version of what that platform is where it's all platforms can converge on Twitter, right? We don't have a place where we do that. Right now you're on Facebook, right? You're on Instagram, you're on Twitter, and it's as if there are these like walled gardens. However, um, that's not how we interact and that's not how we experience it. Um, but we've got these like false kind of corporate driven initiatives that are sequestering your data here and sequestering your data here. Those are making planets within the metaverse. So there's planet Twitter and planet Facebook, which includes Instagram and WhatsApp and everything. Um, but the metaverse contains all of that. It contains multitudes. It contains the history of all things ever made on the internet and the potential, um, to make more and the human experience that defines how you navigate that the agency which exists within it is the thing that proves that it's real right and to and i realize i'm getting like sort of artsy fartsy here but if you're reading a book right you don't have an identity you're consuming passively right so you're just eyeballs and a brain um but in the metaverse that doesn't hold true anymore right in the metaverse all you're a creator of that story as well a part- yeah, your participant yeah. is the word that I would use. And like A, the story doesn't get to be good anymore because now it's interactive and you can destroy it and play with it. But simply the fact that it won't run or exist without your participation proves that it exists, right? It's an I think, therefore I am type of scenario. The metaverse um, is this intelligent environment that um, requires participation. If it just played stuff, it would be TV and we wouldn't be talking about it all the time. Well, I guess, yeah, the reason I use create, I would say is because I wanted to tie it into maybe web three a little bit. Mm-hmm. Do these things, does the metaverse and web three, do they have to coexist or are they things that are, you know, could they be separate? Like is, is the metaverse web, have web two capabilities or is it only like user driven? Yeah, I think the, again, like it's, I don't think it's user driven, but it is requires participation. Okay. Right. Um, and like, is, if, is there a concert if it's just the band playing and nobody's sitting in the seats? It's like, I don't think it's a concert anymore. Right. It's rehearsal. That's okay. why like nobody's there. They're rehearsing. Then everybody comes. It's the same music. It's just now it's a concert. Um, 
I think the cool thing about like the web three is like the web, the web three of it all is like, and again, my approach is conceptual um, and not about the technology, um, yeah. although okay. it has implications there is that web three is um, an intention and like a design principle, which has incredible implications in terms of how people participate. But a lot of the metaverse is like not employing that it's it's i think make-believe like a lot of nfts are just collectibles right mm-hmm. they're baseball cards and collectible coins and it's like that's because that's what people feel comfortable buying um but if you want to engage people you need to make in a web3 environment it's a high friction experience it's hard you have to do stuff you participate you have to keep coming back you have to like do stuff and that is different than a lot of the stuff you see right now being talked about as the metaverse. Yeah. No, I, I feel like it's, I don't, I don't really know when you would say that it began, but I still feel like we're early in its development. Like you just said at the point, mm-hmm. what we're comfortable with is this form of NFTs, but the technology behind NFTs and smart contracts could take us somewhere completely different in just a few years from now totally and i mean this could be a betamax moment where it's the better technology never gets employed because it's just easier to use media as a delivery mechanism to give people what you think they want and to harvest their data what i hope and like the reason i think it's really responsible to work um, with brands from a marketing perspective is because if we can prove that deeper, richer, more Web3, more equitable, more ethical experiences are in fact more effective at generating revenue, then those companies will start to optimize to build those things, right? Success will be measured not as a view, which is a dumb way to measure success of a thing you've made, but about engagement, right? And um, complexity. So that's like a big goal for for that is to show up and make stuff the way we believe is correct um, to help brands and companies behave better. Podcasting remotely can be challenging, but with Zencaster, the product that we use to record our episodes, it doesn't really have to be. Zencaster's all-in-one web-based solution makes the process pretty quick and painless, which is, you know, the way we really want it to be. If you've been listening to The Black Box for a while now, you know that we constantly talk about how we want to bring the best quality and the best content for our listeners, you guys. And with Zencaster, they provide crystal clear sound and gorgeous HD video for us as we record our episodes with our guests. Uh, Not to mention it's easy to use. That's why we really like it because instead of having to coach, you know, guests on how to set up a podcast if they haven't been on one before, we basically just say show up with a mic and a, a computer and you're good to go with Zencaster. Zencaster is all about making your podcast experience easy and with everything from local recording to automatic post-production tools. If you want to use those, uh, you don't even have to leave your browser to get the entire episode done. If you go to zen.ai slash black box and enter our promo code black box, you'll get 30% off on your first three months of Zencaster Pro. That's zen.ai slash black box, B-L-A-C-K-B-O-X. It's time to share your story. Wow. All right. Um, so I've I've been doing a lot of listening and not a lot of talking for the past couple of minutes, right? Because every every time I hear about the metaverse, I feel like I am still confused after after I hear after I listen. So like mm-hmm. when when like did the metaverse like uh was it born with the internet or is the metaverse like something more recent than that or is it older than that i think that's a great um there's a that's a great question and i'm not going to give you the answer you want but i think it is a good answer um there's this um this book by a guy named stephen johnson called where good ideas come from um which is another book you get when you come work at that um along with snow crash um, but there's, there's a few other ones, but, um, he talks about this, um, idea that he didn't invent called the adjacent possible. Um, and he talks about, you know, one day there was primordial ooze. There was just goo and lightning and, um, water is a conductor of electricity and lightning was hitting this puddle 
and stuff was happening. Elements were connecting and being bonded because of this electricity. And eventually life was created, right? So when it was just a puddle, life was impossible. But then life became possible. So it wasn't fully impossible. It was in the adjacent possible. It was in a ring around what doesn't exist. And then once that enters into the possible, then the ring of adjacent possible moves outward, right? So um, when GPS was created by accident um, at MIT, um, everything that was impossible, like mobile connectivity or geolocating somebody, moved into the uh, moved into the possible. The same thing was true with true Twitter, right? Twitter is made possible by GPS, by mobile technology, by circuit boards being a certain size. Like all of these things combined to make Twitter possible. So there isn't a before the internet and after the internet, a metaverse on, metaverse off moment. We are in this like constant and dynamic state, right? Of turning switches on. And so we right now are surrounded by technological applications that we just haven't considered yet. That doesn't mean they don't exist. It's just outside of the adjacent, it's outside of the possible. Somebody hasn't been like, oh, what if we did this and this, like, and make it interoperable. So yeah, I think that the metaverse 100% has existed as long as media existed. It was just very low fidelity. and I think that there are conceptual things that made it possible on the human level, like when Mary Ellis Bunham um, at MTV created the real world, she created a pop culture event, which allowed linear programming to exist in real life. So you could watch the program and then enter the program, right? And now we've got mobile devices where like I'm creating a fictional version of myself Living as myself in two different ways. Is me the me, me, or the Instagram me? Am I on this call or am I in this room? Like we're living in this like totally bifurcated sense of reality. And like, we don't have an answer for that. It's confusing because it's confusing, right? Um, And I think we kind of got to like look around and play with it and try to make cool stuff to define what it is that's how we sense make stuff right we gotta participate in that switch flipping yeah like yeah we we gotta try different combinations of different things and 100 percent. like before there was facebook it would be like what do you think it's gonna be like to like socially network people like i don't know bro like the internet is like so new and And everyone participated and created that yeah yeah a hundred percent. And now we have this metaphor to point at, right? And everybody created it. Mark Zuckerberg didn't invent it. He created um, an interface or stole an interface, depending on who you talk to. And that interface then allowed us to channel all this stuff, which then existed and nothing happened, right? All of that stuff existed in our brains. And now we've interacted and put it on a server. And now we have a thing called Facebook. So that's, I don't know, that was probably like a bad answer to your question, but like maybe I feel... Did that help at all? How are we doing now out of 10? Yeah, it definitely helped. Um, I have a friend named Ricky Bacon who, um, Ricky Bacon works at a company called Critical Mass and he, he introduced me to this concept of effective technology versus affective technology. Um, and they're two different things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, effective technology works. Affective technology makes you feel something. Changes. And the world is being designed by people who think that it's important to make effective technology. And I disagree wholeheartedly because I don't think something can be effective unless it's affective. It makes you feel stuff. You're driven to do it. You're driven to participate. And your question about the metaverse is I believe partially because you're still stuck in this idea that like, it's a thing and where is it? And the point is like, it is a spiritual entity that happens to be partially organic and partially digital. And that's the thing. It is a mystery and a enigma wrapped in a wonton of identity (laughs) theft. (laughs) So how, how, do members of the metaverse communicate like is it through twitter and discord or is there like some other channel 
the I think it we're right what are we doing right now? Right? Yeah. We're recording we're, a podcast through we're in Zencaster. Right, are we? Right? Or are we in Chrome? And Or are like, we on Mac OS or Windows? It, yeah. Or are we in like are we in our computer or are we in a room? Like that's my point. It's like it is not a platform, right? Yeah. It is it is all of those layers and it is happening simultaneously. When you're like, where do they communicate? It's like in all the places. There's this um we have this project. It was one of the first things we made. It's called R. Um, and we talked about it at Sundance that year and, um, we brought it to Doc Labs in Amsterdam and there's this fun moment in it where we talk about this paradox and it applies to the metaverse, right? Um, so, um, let's all together say the words on the count of three, I am here, right? One, two, three. I, I am here. One, two, three, right? One, two, three, all together. One, two, three. I, I am, am here. 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 Okay. Where were you when you said that? Right? Here. There's Where? many answers like to in that, that right? Room, right? Are you in that room or are you here in this conversation? Because you are both, right? Now, you experienced it as being in your room, right? But we experienced it as being in this screen. And you're not in this screen, right? You're being represented by pixels. But then if you do this, and I totally appreciate you guys letting me talk about this stuff, but like um, mm. on the count of three, I want awesome. you to say, we we are here. Ready? One, two, three. We, we are, are here. here. Okay. What's crazy about that is you were no longer in your room when you said that. Yeah. Because we are not all in your room. Right. And so what kind of metaphysical miracle happened to transport you out of your physical environment? And the point is you're representing your identity in like this, like multiverse um, kind of like logic problem. We are all here in a place that none of us are. And I am here in this room with all of you and yet I am totally alone. And that is because like there are all these layers of interfaces and devices that connect us and we don't have a way to talk about it. Is it just like the meshing through well that's why I kept calling it a form of like a medium, but that's because I guess I look at it as like you're talking about here, we are, I am. It's all my perception of how I'm integrating my technology. And I guess in this case, it's still media. It's a camera and a video and voice that I can hear you. It, it's kind well, of my more point like, is that technology technology has nothing to do with it. Like my my point. Well, yeah, is I guess that that, that that exists no matter what. But are we? Isn't that the form in which we're using it to? I don't know. Maybe. Have, well, haven't you ever like had a what's the point of it all moment? Like why? Why am I doing this? Like, who am I? Yeah. You know, why was I born this way doing this thing? It is the same question, right? But it is rendered in a different way. And if we are fixated on the mediums and the devices, we're missing the point. Because when you're having a philosophical contemplative moment, you're not, you're not like, like, you know, why? Like what? And it's like, you're like, is it my shoes? is it my pants in this chair? It's like, you don't think about it because like you ignore that shit because it just seems normal. And now you've got this shiny new toy and you're like, Oh, the metaverse. And it's like, no dude, it's just pants and chairs. It is the same shit, right? The word is describing the conceptual idea of a different form of exist, a different place in which we can exist, a different dimension. But that's all I think. Thank you. For so, that. yeah, that that means that everyone is part of the metaverse, then, regardless of whether they whether or not they believe it, they're part of it, according to that definition. Yeah, if you can, like, the entire world is photographed, right? Um, and even somebody who's completely off the grid 
is contributing like a form of latency to the immense data surveillance that exists. And therefore, they are presenting as an anomaly to the metaverse, right? Um, it's just another, it's just another layer, right? Are you part of civilization if you've never encountered another human? Like, it's the same thing. Does that make sense? Does this, do you want to talk about entrepreneurship? That, that was too <laughs> philosophical. Cause I think there are like, that's where to me, like the rubber meets the road is like, when you think about it from a business perspective, who's motivated to build an environment where you can be surveilled at all times, right? Um, companies who want to target you with stuff. So the metaverse is being built for profit by companies um, and being a part of the commerce driven culture of the internet, I think is really key. Like I spent a lot of time working as a digital artist and a writer making fun and cool stuff for museums, but I'm so into the idea that the impact I can have now as a collaborator and creator with all the people that I work with is going to potentially really help write the rules of the digital environment that is going to be pervasive kind of forever. I guess. So like you said, you were originally a writer has you still implement that in your current role or is it more of just an overall creative direction that you're giving the, the way that I break it down is that creative direction is for like an asset, but, um, creative coaching is for people. So I write a lot. Um, I write a lot of the stuff that, that we work on. Um, and I'm conceptually involved in a lot of it. And I also make um, my own stuff and I've written a book and I write a lot of articles and everything. Um, and that is something I use to express myself from a, creative perspective um i've learned a lot from writing about structure and how to kind of create an experience that has um like a light cognitive load like to say it in the less nerdy way to make something that people understand mm -hmm. um and that definitely has been very handy when making interactive experiences because if you look at our work it's all over the place like we've made so much different random stuff but all of it basically is super straightforward, even if it's incredibly weird. Like we've made really crazy stuff, um, but it's totally gettable when you see it. And I think that's because we're a technology innovation group, but led by a writer. Can you, all right. Okay. I feel like you got to tell us some of the stuff that you guys have made. If you can. Yeah. Yeah. It's all, you can go on our website. I think, um, we recently we've been making a lot of um stuff we had like a super bowl commercial um we made a really exciting um campaign for a company called chief recently that took place um had a, a newspaper ad a tv spot um all sorts of easter eggs a 1-800 number um and so it's a really kind of old school media campaign um mm -hmm. that told a really interesting uh story but some of the more kind of spectacular digital stuff. Um, we created something called Kid HQ for Walmart that was this epic interactive experience that used live action video and animation. Um, and it allowed kids to actually enter into this world, choose a job, and then they got into an elevator with a robot and could go to all these different floors and they could play with every toy at Walmart. Um, they could meet Santa and Santa, depending on some of the choices they made, spoke to them and interviewed them in Spanish or English, depending on what their pre preferred language was. Um, we made this gigantic beyond feature length interactive film for Barbie. Um, and the whole thing was shoppable. Um, and that was like an epic way ahead of its time, kind of gigantic, massive digital project. We made a thing um, recently uh, for the immersive, for the immersive Van Gogh exhibit that is currently running in like every, city in america um we collaborated with david corins who's this amazing broadway designer and we created a bunch of interactive experiences that made art kind of about the work of vincent van gogh so you can go to this um art gallery um which is just paint splotches and using ar you can kind of unleash the blobs and play with them and 
build this immersive version of Van Gogh's work that you can actually enter and hear the night cafe and see it in a whole different way. Um, We created an AI version of Vincent from his writing where you could write to him and he actually writes back to you and creates an original letter with original artwork. Um, I mean, I can talk about this stuff all day, but I feel like that was like a good yeah, that was good. List. Yeah. yeah. That was pretty good. No, that was sick. Cool. Right on. I remember before we started recording, you said you started two companies. Mm-hmm. And since we since we like to talk about entrepreneurship a lot, mm-hmm. uh, can you tell us about those two companies? Yeah, so um one of them is Technology Humans and Taste, which we've talked about a lot. Um, and I co-founded that. Um, with my longtime friend and partner, Dave Calvert. Um, and the other one is a good internet story. Do you want to hear the good internet story or do you want me to just talk about the company? No, let's hear it. So my girlfriend at the time, this is about 12, 13 years ago. Um, and I, I'd taken her to a wedding, um, pretty new in the relationship. Um, and she was this beautiful woman from London. And we were leaving the wedding and it was like one of her first American weddings. And she was like, it's really awful. Like how the people make their speeches and it's just terrible to watch. It's too bad that I'm not allowed to do this accent at home, by the way. Um, it's really too That's bad. Good. <laughs> there isn't someone to help them. And I was like, Oh, like that would be cool. And so we talked about it on the drive home, um, came up with a name and I made a WordPress site. Um, and, um, somebody found it online. Somebody wrote an article about it. Um, and the business kind of exploded virally online as we were still conceiving what the business is. And that was, uh, 12 years ago. I'm now married to Victoria. Um, she's really, I'm no longer involved in the business. She's the driving force. Her book, um, before you say anything, which is about her work is basically like, the leading speechwriter um in new york city she writes everything from wedding speeches to ted talks to executive speeches um and it's had a huge impact on our life and it was totally a like weird thing that we put on the internet that um has completely been like a huge part of our life and is this amazing company with writers and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of speeches happening all the time i feel like that's just proof to you know, just take that risk or jump on yeah, that idea and actually pursue it with everything you have. And if you, I feel like if you do that, things will work out genuinely as they should. If you just, and that's why I said like to go back to it, like the, you got to create, you have to make stuff. It's like talking about the metaverse is one thing, but like make a thing. Like if you haven't minted an NFT, like I made an NFT um, early on and it's like a huge pain in the ass. Um, but that learning experience but, is necessary too. Yeah, and that's how you figure out what it is, and then it's yeah. No I pulled him like, into metaverse. Yeah, you just gotta you just gotta get into it. And I just wanted to reiterate one more time that this episode was made with ZenCaster, and check out our coupon code below if you're interested to utilize their tools. Awesome. All right. Um, so you can find Victoria on TikTok, by the way. What's um, her handle? Um, I gotta ask her. <laughs> um, I'm taking a break from social media. <laughs> that sounds nice. So are you um, exiting what, uh, the metaverse or is a or is the metaverse just the metaverse is still going and you're just inactive or I guess you can participate active. in other ways. That's true. And my, my content is persistent because of the way that it was designed, like this old fashioned, like you made something and it should stay there, which is like so crazy. What a weird thing for the internet, right? It's like, why do all these platforms retain all of that stuff serves no purpose. It's only bad. Well, you think that once something's created, it should have a expiration on it for those, for those platforms. Yeah. For that connected media, a hundred percent. I think there are places that should contain information. Like my medium page has a lot of articles on it because I want them to stay there. But like on Instagram, I posted that thing of a moment and now that moment is permanent, which is disingenuous to the moment. The platform's like forcing itself. Some of the effect the was in the fact that it was temporary, like an event or something. Yeah. Oh, that's totally. a cool way to look at it. 
Well, I feel like, yeah, also now you see that things that were posted or said or things that were written in the, you know, origin period of social media or when it really took off, that when we're looking at them now, it's like that doesn't really have the same effect or it doesn't yeah. sit as well now. But the, totally. the person who posted it at the time, their purpose was not to keep it up there forever. It was just something in the moment that they posted that they were feeling. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's, um, it's complex and it's one of those things where it's like, what would happen if we designed it today from the ground up, right? People often approach the design exercise as if everything that's happened is correct and true. Um, but it's amazing to start as if it didn't exist and you end up in a very different place. All right. I think, I think we have time to talk about the first, the other company you started too. If you're cool, if you're down. Yeah. I mean, that's where I work now at, at that, but I'm, I'm happy to talk about it. Um, I was, um, at the Google creative lab, um, having, um, I had like a late entry into the world of marketing. Um, and like half my career has been at that. Um, but I was really interested in, I'd made like, sorry, I'm doing a bad job telling the story, but I made a bunch of like digital art stuff. Um, first like immersive theater projects, but then, um, collaborating with people to make book adaptations as SMS experiences and like using mapping projects and stuff to like figure out ways to kind of create fictional experiences that were immersive that took your phone, um, your phone into these cool kind of hidden worlds. And then, um, that agencies were interested in that because it was going to be advertising. Um, and so the more I got involved in advertising, the more I was like, Oh, this is the place to play because this is where the resources are and the audiences and like kind of a responsibility to make cooler stuff because this is where the rules will be defined. Um, worked at a bunch of places, ended up at Google. And when I left Google knew that I wanted to kind of focus on creating a teachable methodology for all this stuff, like a way to communicate, what I believe is the right way to think about and an effective way to think about um, nonlinear storytelling, immersive experiences and apply it to marketing. Um, And that led to the creation of the company. And so we have a really specific approach, um, which is what we call our theme park approach to um, crafting campaigns and, and work. And um, we're five years in, we survived COVID for the most part. And, um, we're just making the crazy stuff. And uh, yeah, we have a party every week that everyone's invited to um, called Thinkathon Thursdays. And uh, don't be shy. Definitely hit us up on the website and you can always get an invite. That's cool. We should pop out. I was going to say, uh, is there like a preferred tool set that you like to use on a day to day when it comes to your job and trying to create those immersive experiences? Yeah. A hundred percent. And I have, um, it's, you can find it on my Instagram and it's on my medium page, but I list out the tools that I use, Cool, but, okay. um, they are principally, um, I'm trying to find yeah, no worries. Thank you, Tom. one because my kids always steal it. Um, a two sided Sharpie. Um, and a three by five index card Um, because digital technologies which are created by developers um, are good for writing code or writing things in order, making lists of stuff. But if you actually want to create a non-linear experience, um, A, you need a really simple interface. So Miro is cool, but not for thinking, right? Because you have to do a bunch of stuff to get it up there. Um, so I do all my thinking in cards. Um, you like to just solidify the idea on its, on an isolated. I, I, well, like I would, again, piece, like but, yeah. the, is it just cause that's need, easier to get the idea out or. No, it's the, it like, if you want to make out with somebody, right. You're not like, let me put a sweater over my face and makeup and then a window you're like okay get rid of the window get rid of the sweater this is going to be easier if our faces are close to each other um 
like making stuff is the same way. If it's in a conceptual place and your brain is working, don't get a bunch of stuff in the way. Like okay, why do you okay. need a computer? Yeah. Like no idea has ever, 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 ever gotten better by putting it into a computer. Right. Um, and that's simply because this wasn't made for that purpose. This was made for doing math. So you can't make a circle, draw a line to it, put a smiley face and write the word fuck on a computer. It just takes too long. So <laughs> do that on paper. Yeah. And then once you've got everything on paper and you're synthesizing stuff, then bring out your synthesis machine, which is your computer and like use its stupid QWERTY interface to like log all of that, but don't use it for thinking that will um, make you less good at thinking. I, I like your, uh, your approach to things because I'm much more on the opposite end of the spectrum, like logical, mathematical, and I do a lot of coding. So mm -hmm. now that you're like the first thing that I do when I think of something, usually that's probably because the tasks that I'm doing are catered to that. But I'm thinking about jumping on a computer and writing down what I'm going to do, whether that be in code or on a document. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you're, you're talking about just removing all of that other stuff and just getting something that you could put your thoughts directly into. That has yeah, and I have too. A, you can find it again. You can find out my, on my stuff, but I have this leather um, card case. And so I have cards with me in my pocket at all times. Not right now. Cause I'm in my office and my yeah. Jack is outside, but um, you, I always have a pen and I always have my cards. Um, and you don't always have a computer, right? And again, like ideas come in pieces. Big ideas are made of little ideas. So if you want to be creating, it needs to be way more facile than like a big goofy superpower. You don't need your computer. Yeah. Like it's like so powerful. It's like looking at the sun. It's like a terrible, terrible machine <laughs> for creativity. It's great for watching yeah. movies and like video chatting, but like not for coming up with stuff. Yeah. I agree. I mean, what do you think I'm about? It, but I was gonna. My notebook's right there. That's what I use. That's how I get everything down initially. When it pops into my head, I get it on there, and then I work from that to putting it on, into something else. Yeah, the there's this great thing also in a Stephen Johnson book about this idea called the commonplace book, and the commonplace book is a container for all the messy bits. The problem I have with notebooks is they too are linear. Um, in time and. So you can think of the cards as like a binder free um, thing. I have something, I can't show it to you because it's got like IP type things on it, but I actually have this thing, which is like a, a holder, a card holder um, that holds all my cards. It's right next to my desk. Um, mm -hmm. And there are devices and there are tools out there, but like you can put it in any order you want. You can look at it all at once. Like a notebook, it's like really hard to be like page 18 and page two that was it right it's hard to make those connections so. yeah, yeah. Good i support your journey though i support your journey i'm on my way there sorry i mean i cut you off before what you're not gonna... i was just gonna say what do you think about like the ipad or just tablets in general do you think those could be like not a direct replacement but do you think it could be almost as good no, it's not a question of almost as good. It's like entirely unnecessary, right? Like the, there's a great essay called um, Wrong Theory, super short, but um, it's in Wired a million years ago. Scott Dadich wrote it. Um, and he makes the point that like this black rectangle and the black rectangle we're talking on and the black rectangle of an iPad are all the same machine right and they all do so much shit like if your job if you want to come up with ideas like you don't need to do all that stuff right if you're lifting weights you're not like wearing ballet shoes and eating a piece of turkey you're like i'm doing this now and yeah. so this reductive interface is because it's purpose built to do one thing which is it is empty put stuff on it as soon as you make an ipad it's like the functionality is like so intense you putting stuff into it is not what it's designed for. Right. That's like the least of its concerns. It's all about giving you shit and consuming stuff. And like, I don't think if you want to be creative, you should go to the museum. I think you should go to like the garbage dump 
Museum is for consuming. Garbage dump is for creating. I guess that has to do with thinking about what the real purpose of that thing yeah, is. You have to think about like the companies that are manufacturing it. They they really do manufacture your entire online experience. Anything with the internet, it's somehow affected by some company. Everything, a hundred percent. Where they've designed every single piece of it, um, with the intention of selling manipulating you your experience and like not making you creative. Um, unleash yourself from the digital tyranny, guys. Get a pen, like blow your mind or double-sided Sharpie because then you have a pen and a marker on one device. They leak all the time, but they're still really amazing. (laughs) You want to plug any of your social media or website again? And then we'll do our rest. Um, Yeah, you can find me. um, I'm at Nathan Phillips on all your favorite platforms. Um, I'm taking a little bit of a break on the Insta, um, but I do publish stuff. We've got a really amazing metaverse project coming out in the next couple of weeks, which I'm super pumped about and lots of great work, um, always populating the site. Um, and you can reach all of us, um, at our website, which is that.site, T-H-A-T dot S-I-T-E. Um, and come check it out. That's a cool website. Yeah. That.site. I like it. <laughs> Thank you. I, I mean, I really appreciate it. <laughs> I appreciate you coming on. Uh, right on. This was a good conversation. Ahmed, I'll close us off. You guys know where to reach us. Black Box Podcast, No Way in the Black on Instagram and Twitter. Black Box Podcast with an A in the Black on TikTok. If you want to slide into our email, <laughs> blackboxsubmission at gmail.com. And thank you again. See you next time. Right on. Peace.